1: What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Guilty Charge podcast presented by the Blue R Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I am your host. Joining me, as always, are my guys Tyler and Alex.
2: Alex, we'll start with you. How are you doing today, man? I'm um, doing pretty good today. Uh, still some fallout from the roster decisions, but it seems like we're heading in the right direction and the regular season right around the corner. So I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, we've only got three more shows, and
1: then we'll have the actual season start, which is, is crazy. So... So excited for that! Um, by the time people are listening to this, my alma mater, University of Utah. Yes, I have to plug them every single day, every single episode. Oh man! But they open their season tomorrow, you guys, and I'm so so excited for that. Um, oh, I can Tyler, actually show you... I can show for that too. Rutgers plays tomorrow against Temple. There we go. <laughs> Isn't that a is that a, that's not a conference game, right? Temple's no. still in the American. Yeah. That's a good that's a good season opener for for Rutgers, though. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler, how you doing today, man?
3: Doing very well because I know that at some point in the season, no matter how good Utah is doing, they <laughs> want to lose to USC.
1: Oh. Sh- <laughs> um, well, to be fair, they cannot <laughs> win at the Coliseum. So I actually don't hate that. Like the Utah winning at the Coliseum is like the Chargers winning in Denver. Like I, I just <laughs> okay. cannot predict it yeah. to happen until I see it happen more consistently. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I, I think that USC and Utah are kind of even at this point, but that should be a good game. Anyways, this is a Chargers Podcast. Of course, I had to talk about my youths, but we'll we'll get to everything else that we have today. So uh, we've got a fun show planned. We're going to talk about uh, the latest roster decisions, as you can see in Alex's name, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, we're also going to talk about some of our favorite regular season NFL bets. We're doing a big NFL preview today. We also have an interview with NFL Network's Taylor Bashotti. Um, who joined me and Alex and had some great things to say about the Chargers. And we talked all about Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So make sure and check that out. And then we're going to wrap the show up today, giving our playoff predictions, MVP award predictions, and all that good stuff to kind of preview the NFL season, uh, which is coming soon enough. So that being said, let's get started with the latest roster decisions. Um, Unfortunately for Forrest Merrill, man, Just a a tough 24 hours as he makes the roster and then gets cut in favor of Eric Banks, uh, who's coming over from the Rams. And then uh, Brandon Faison got cut today, too. I should say waived. Waived is the technical term. So uh, Brandon Faison was waived in favor of Trey Marshall, who is coming over from the Broncos. Uh, Both players have ties to Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill. Uh, So not really a surprise that they would target those kind of players but definitely a surprise that Forrest Merrill and Brandon face on uh, were waived. So let's talk about those moves first, and then we'll get into the practice squad. Uh, Tyler, what was your initial reaction to seeing uh, those four corresponding moves today?
3: Yeah. So from my understanding is per source, Ooh, uh, the plan was they were all going always going to have five interior defensive linemen. And that yeah. final spot was going to be, well, initially they thought it was going to come down to one of Cortez Brown or Joe Gaziano, because Christian Covington, was actually going to be there their backup nose tackle and rotate there and Staley has kind of set as such and we've speculated that but we weren't quite sure. So, you know, IDL5 was always going to be more of that that B gap pass rushing guy than a true nose tackle. But then they keep Merrill, which was interesting and Fohko was out, fine. But then yeah, they cut Merrill and then add Banks, who I believe most of the preseason season if not all of the preseason lined up between the guard and the tackle on all of his reps. So, yeah. they do eventually get who they the kind of guy that they want they do want supposedly that b gap sort of guy how it translates i don't know but then again if you listen to brandon staley in any of his pre- press conferences he can sell anything so they're talking about yeah. this guy. He's like yeah he's exactly what we want he looks like this reminds me of this he has the size the speed the length whatever that we want so he's exactly what we want for our team and it's like all right fine like i'll bite again you're probably right and you're all smart and we like you um so i think that was it's a surprise move that we've gone from Cortez Broughton to Banks but you know I, I get that they've at least got they've got their guy that they think is their best defensive tackle shot to, have, to be there great uh, as far as the other ones with face on being cut and Hall staying um, you know Hall just speaking of, about Hall Hall has that special teams value that clearly they're they're gunning for they love that that is their number one thing if you are not a starter you better be a darn good special teamer so they're rocking yeah. with Hall um, and then I guess you know Marshall someone that they think they can develop over face on uh, both face on a Marshall basically run a four-five-four. Four. So it's not like we're gambling on speed or sometimes athletic traits like a Devon Campbell. Marshall's also a little bit shorter, but you know, I guess for what it's worth, I'm if I'm trying to find something here of the 16 tackles he has listed on PFF, which is again not all that much in the last three seasons, um, he hasn't missed any, and and which can point to kind of the theme of what they wanted to do in the draft in the off season, which is get better at tackling. You can point to guys like Nick Neiman. Mark Webb, Ben DeLuca, all who had really, really great missed tackle rates. Um, So, you know, they keep DeLuca on the practice squad. But they're targeting guys with that low missed tackle rate. And so, you know, face on, of course, we just saw recently how bad that was. I thought he was better than that. And he's shown to be better than that. But again, that was just a, a very poor performance at the worst possible time. A guy who was CB2 to open camp now gets cut for a guy they just pull from the Rams. Um, but then still, you know, Marshall is really cool. I think what their plan is for him is really great. You know They want to use him wherever he's needed. Another Mark Webb light, if you will. Um, so yeah. it is still very interesting. They're keeping Kemon Hall because Hall, again, only played in the slot all preseason. That's all he does. But he's a really good special teamer. And so they're keeping him around. So, you know, I'm surprised by some of these moves, uh, particularly transitioning from Broughton to Banks. But again, it's what the coaching staff wants. And, you know, as concerned as I was about both the interior defensive line room and the safety room heading into the season and into the off season, Staley has really shown that he can make it the best out of these guys. So, you know, at those two particular spots in particular, I think they're okay. And if that's who they want. That's who they got. And,
1: you know, we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, really quick before Alex jumps in, uh, I just want to clarify here. Trey Marshall is a safety. I saw some people saying that mm-hmm. he was like a corner and replacing Brandon on straight up. That's not the case. Brandon Staley, you know, views him as a safety and Mm -hmm. somebody that can play, you know, in the slot as well as kind of that dime linebacker. So uh, he's not a corner. He's a safety. He's going to do a lot of the similar things like Tyler said that Mark Webb can do um, and mostly play special teams. All right, Alex, uh, I know you've been jumping at the bit here. So what uh, what are your reactions today to uh, those four corresponding moves?
2: Yeah, I really like the Trey Marshall one. I think he provides a lot of special teams value uh, just in general. And there's not just the Brandon Staley connection, not just the Ronaldo Hope connection, but also a Derwin James connection uh, from their to Oh, yeah. Florida Good point. State. Uh, So I think that that's fun. You know, he gets his buddy in the safety room. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, can't really argue against that. Plus, you know, Staley said today he's going to be a core special teamer. Um, and Brandon Faison was not going to be that. Uh, so I think that's really what the decision came, came down to. And when you're talking about, say, Kemon Hall versus Brandon Faison and some of those guys, Kimon Hall was just more consistent uh, throughout the preseason. And I think throughout training camp, you know, while, Brandon, uh, while Faison maybe had a couple highs at the beginning, just did not carry that steam uh, throughout. So to me, uh, I do like the Marshall pickup uh, just in the safety room. And, you know, if it comes at the expense of Faison, so be it. Um, as far as the Merrill thing and him getting cut, I just think it's really weird the process that we've taken to get there because yeah. at first it was like, okay, well, we want Forrest Merrill because he's this big, you know, wide uh, defensive tackle, you know, Braden Fajoco, Cortez Broughton don't fit that mold. And now they have Banks who really is about 276-4. So he's kind of built a little bit like a Jerry Tillery or a Cortez Broughton. He's yeah. actually like 20 pounds less than those guys. Um, so it's just a question of like, what do they want there? Um, I I think he'll be fine. The only concern that I do have with him is that one of the reasons the Rams did cut him was because he had a back injury that he's still dealing with. Um, so I'm sure, I'm I'm sure Staley still knows that information and is kind of working with him, uh, through that. But, you know, that's going to be interesting to see kind of what his playing status is, you know, how effectively can he play right now, uh, with that injury. So, um, You know, I'm not so much concerned about the you know him having the fifth depth spot over Merrill, over Fahoko, over Browden. I'm still a little salty about Browden, but uh, in terms of him just having that spot for me, it's just you know how healthy is he right now. Um, But again, uh, that's just my only concern with it, really. But also, I mean, he is a little bit unproven on the field. Uh, Obviously, has not played you know in an NFL game uh, to this point in his career, but. You know, as the fifth defensive tackle on the roster, I don't think that's a huge concern. I mean, especially because they were about to play Forrest Merrill, who's never played in an NFL game either. Right. So, you know, the, there weren't a lot of depth, you know, uh, experience options once you got past Covington. So, uh, in general, I like their moves today, uh, especially the Trey Marshall pickup. I think that's a great special teams defensive signing. Uh, thought they needed a little bit more in the safety room anyway. Uh, and in terms of the two that they cut, forest Merrill and Brandon on. Merrill's going to land on the practice squad. I have you know all the confidence in the world on that. As far as on landing on the practice squad, I'm not sure. It seems like they were just sort of done with him today, but I guess that yeah. you know, he could always get there if he gets through waivers. That's always a possibility, um, but it seems like they're going to take the Fohoco approach to Merrill this year uh, and just you know, stash him on the practice squad, see what happens.
1: Yeah. So it it didn't really seem like face on was going to be on the practice squad. There wasn't a follow-up question. Um, There was a follow-up question for Forrest Merrill and Staley was quick and said, absolutely. Like he wants him on the squad. Um, I do agree though, that like the process to get to this point was very confusing because, you know, Brandon Staley yesterday, you know, it was Forrest Merrill as that nose tackle guy. We felt like we needed that run presence. Um, And then, you know, you know, Christian Covington is going to be that kind of that gap shooter in the, in the three technique, and the four technique. And I was like, okay, like, I can understand that vision. And then it's now it's Eric Banks, who is kind of a similar player to Cortez Brown. He is on the lighter side. Um, but I, it's just like a little confusing to me how he went from Cortez Brown to Eric Banks. And so I, I, I will say, like, from a measurement standpoint, Eric Banks is pretty similar to Roy Robertson Harris, who Staley coached in Chicago. Um, he was somebody that I thought the Chargers could have signed, uh, and then Jacksonville really threw the bag at him, which was kind of a confusing move. Um, but they did that to a bunch of players, um, so he does fit the mold a little bit more of that Roy Robertson Harris, at least you know physically. Um, but it, it, it was a confusing process to get there for sure. Um, But I I think, you know, we'll have to see how that one pans out. But it it just is like, why didn't you just keep Cortez Brown if you wanted this kind of player? Uh, And then it was like, oh, Christian Covington's going to do that. And then just kidding. So like Tyler said, Brandon Staley can sell anything. And like he had a great press conference today. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you haven't listened to that, I I highly recommend it because he really dove into his coaching philosophies and where he's taking things. And it was like a 10 minute conversation. Um and, and I think it was just honestly pure gold. But uh, the defensive tackle room is is definitely confusing at this point.
2: Yeah, and I, I think it's just you know if Staley wanted his guys and he has connections to both of these guys, then right. you know, th- that is what it is, right? Like so, if that's his preference over Broughton, then I'm fine with it. Um, you know, it's not like he picked up some rando off the street, right? Like there, <laughs> these were these were two very targeted signings, uh, and for that, I, I think you have to. At least respect it for now. Uh, You know, we'll see what the playing status of Aaron Banks is and uh, also Trey Marshall and how they do. Um, But for now, I support the move. Just a quick update, not update, but I I asked Ryan Dyrude, who we know from LAFB, who covers both the Chargers and the
3: Rams. Uh, We're all very familiar with him. He was the guy who was on our show when we broke the Brandon's Daily News. Not that we broke it, but while it broke. And his comments on Banks were, uh, he's a good pickup, in my opinion, was on the roster pretty much all last season. He didn't get many reps because of how good the Rams' defensive line was. He had a good camp in preseason, and the Rams. uh, He was surprised that the Rams waived him, but they have a lot of depth again. So, you know, again, nice diamond in the rough sort of signing, not quite like an Odey Bougie, but in the same vein of you know actually this guy's pretty good. They just you know he found a spot for him. So, um, again, all things sound good about these guys. Let's just see how. I just I don't know I I don't really buy that he's going to
1: instantly be any better than Cortez Broughton would be so I'd love to be proven wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of special teams and Jaguars, this kind of back back in a little bit. Uh, Tyron Johnson was claimed by the Jacksonville Jaguars, who of course had uh, the first waiver priority. Um, and I know that there, there's still been a lot of like speculation about Tyron Johnson's character and and what was the move. And honestly, like what Brandon Staley told us is that they only wanted to keep five receivers and the back two receivers really needed to be special teams players. So we've seen Palmer on punt coverage, kickoff coverage, and kick return as a blocker. So he's been heavily involved. And then, of course, KJ Hill is the punt returner and is battling for kick returner duties as well. So um, what Brandon Staley essentially told everyone yesterday is that the wide receiver three battle between Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson was not just for a role, but it was also for a roster spot. And unfortunately, Tyron Johnson just doesn't do enough on special teams. And that really is, is what it came down to. As much as we all hate it and disagree with it, uh, Brandon Staley was pretty clear about it. You know, he said that he respects him as a man and as a player. So please stop speculating that this is about Tyron Johnson's character. Because that is just, frankly, not true.
2: I'm so mad that Urban Meyer got him. Uh, I know. (laughs) I'm going to die mad about it.
1: But Tyron Johnson landed in a good spot. I'm happy for him. You know, they really kind of needed that deep threat, that deep presence, alongside kind of Marvin Jones. And, I mean, Trevor Trevor Lawrence is is very similar to uh, Justin Herbert. So it's a good spot for him. Um, In other news, the Chargers have added 12 players to the practice squad. Uh, Michael Bandy, Darius Bradwell, Cole Christiansen, Ben DeLuca, M.K. Egbele, Brayden Fahoko, Joe Gaziano, Nate Gilliam, Ryan Hunter, Hunter Campmoyer, and Hunter and Hunter back-to-back. Okay. Uh, Jason Moore and then Joe Reed. So I feel like it's a good balance. It's a good mix of players that we wanted to see back. Personally, you know, really excited that M.K. Egbele, Brayden Fajoko, and Ryan Hunter in particular are – were able to come back. I think all three of those players are likely to see the field at some point. Um, all of them kind of play positions of attrition as Brandon Staley has put it. Um, but Tyler, who else kind of stands out to you about the practice squad so far?
3: I mean, who else really stands out to me? It's more of the guys that aren't there that stand out to me more than the guys that are sure. there. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that Ben DeLuca made it. Of course, I've been shilling for him really for almost no reason. <laughs> But, you know, I, I do appreciate what he can do. I do think he had a nice final game of the preseason. And they need him. They're, he was kind of one of my easy locks to make the roster. But i actually be very interested in both Bradwell and Kent Moyer heading into next season because we don't quite know. I, so if I'm not mistaken, Cook, Parham, and Anderson are all not under contract next season, correct? Or does Cook get a two-year deal?
2: No, no Cook gets a one-year one deal.
3: Okay, so I believe it's it's just... Trey McKinney that's under contract for the chargers next season. Yep. So can't developing into a role where, you know, he was kind of like Steven Anderson, you know, blocking in the backfield developing as that tight end. I think that would be great. And then also, as you look at again, next season as well, they're probably going to move on from both of Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. And so someone like Darius Bradwell, who has gotten better over the past year would be Absolutely. interesting. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, ever really make the roster and be a solid contributor, but he made a case in some of his flashes, that he's at least getting better. So another year, another, you know, workout regimen or whatever he's done to improve himself. And he could totally see a roster spot next season because they're going to be they're going to need bodies and he provides something very different. I wouldn't have been I would have been shocked if he got a roster spot, but I would have been supportive of it because he is, you know, very different than the other guys. So, you know, another year with Staley with this actual coaching staff. And who knows, maybe he does earn a spot next season. So a couple of guys on there that I like that they've they've stashed.
2: Yeah, I definitely like Darius Bradwell and uh, MK Eggbillet making it there. It was just, you know, hard to fit them on the roster. Um, yeah. You know, there's just too many guys. So, them being there, you know, I thought Darius Bradwell was pretty tremendous this preseason. Like, I thought he was great on special teams and uh, was just a solid contributor all around. Certainly better than what we saw, you know, during hard knocks last season. Uh, yeah. So, you know, he's definitely improved. Um, having some pass rusher depth and MK Eggbillet is definitely a start. Um, there wasn't there weren't any offensive tackles there, right? Uh, I think it was just the guards and Gilliam and Hunter who were there. It was Gilliam and Hunter, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they didn't really put anybody there. Obviously, Tyree Saint Louis maybe would have been a guy who made it, but he's injured. Um, so you know, he was waived with that designation instead. So uh, I, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing a tackle there, given the Chargers' yeah. kind of lack of depth there. Maybe they signed one from some other team or signed somebody who got cut. Uh, to the practice squad, that would be kind of interesting. Uh, And I guess the last notable thing is that Joe Reed is on the practice squad, uh, and I do like seeing that just because, I mean, look, they sunk a fifth-round pick into Joe Reed, and so far they're not getting much from it. But, you know, he is injured right now, but he gets this year to kind of work back, right, potentially into that rotation. So I like that they're not, you know, giving up on him, so to speak, Uh, and they're, you know, giving him a chance to kind of, get right this year, uh, both physically, mentally, in terms of, you know, learning the playbook and lining up in the right spots and all that. So, you know, and, you know, when he does get healthy, he'll still be, you know, competing and contributing in camp. I do think the practice squad experience is valuable. Um, that is what I talked about with Braden Fajoko and people were like, well, it's daily system. So the fact that he's been there a year doesn't count. I'm like, that's not how this works. Um, <laughs> you know, having a year or two years of NFL experience, whether it's on the practice squad or in the active roster, um, I think is important and you're going against these guys who are NFL level players. Uh, so um, you know, curious to see what Joe Reed can become a year from now. If there is something left, I don't have very high expectations, uh, but I'm just happy that we're not giving up on him quite yet. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a
1: great call. Um, so Forrest Merrill should take up one of those spots as well, because the practice squad is 16 players again this year. Um, right now they only have the 12. So Forrest Merrill will make it 13. Um, and then I'm glad that you mentioned the offensive tackle. I think a cornerback on the practice squad would make some sense too. Um, unfortunately, we, we did hear that John Brandon is is not in the plans there. Uh, and obviously Cortez Brown signed with the chiefs practice squad. I think that was the only practice squad guy that I saw from the chargers. I'll, I'll have to go back and look. Um, but right now they do have three other spots again, after Forrest Merrill kind of makes it there tomorrow. Um, all right, guys, any other final thoughts on the practice squad or the roster moves from today?
3: I'm a little surprised Well, may, unless you only think you only need one edge rusher. I'm surprised that Jesse
1: Lemonier didn't make it. Yeah. And, and to be fair, he still could, right? Like there is. Yeah, true. Some other spots. Um, uh, I tweeted this out yesterday. I saw that Quincy Roche and Hamalkar Hamilcar Rashid have been cut. Um, I know Roche landed on a practice squad somewhere. Um, mm. Not super positive about uh, Rashid, but you know, again, I'll have to look into that. So um, Alex, any other final thoughts here?
2: Yeah, no, like you said with uh, Hamakar or Shad, right? Like, if you can get a guy like that that you feel uh, sort of developmental and, you know, stick him on the practice squad, I think that's a great call. Cool,
1: Sounds good. So uh, we're going to transition now to a segment uh, about our favorite bets for the regular season. Um, as you can see scrolling at the bottom, you know, and as you've heard on our show for a while now, uh, we have partnered with Busser Sports uh, as the main sportsbook for the Guilty as Charged podcast. If you use the link in our description and use the code NFL100FP, you are able to get a 100% bonus on your first deposit. So that being said, we're going to each mention two or three of our favorite bets of the regular season. Uh, and I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to mention uh, a couple regular season and postseason results, as well as a specific prop bet that is out there. So my favorite bet for the season that I'm going to talk about here, Is the Seattle Seahawks plus 1100 to win the NFC? Uh, I do not have that as my prediction, but I think them being that low on the list really is kind of crazy in my opinion. Um, And and so that really is kind of a bet where you place, you know, a, a good amount of money. And if it happens, you make a great profit. So I think the Seattle Seahawks winning the NFC is in the realm of possibility. Of course, we've seen it happen before, and Russell Wilson is getting the Sean McVay-Shanahan system installed, and we've seen around the league how easy that system is for quarterbacks, Um, and really kind of DK Metcalf mentioned this uh, in the postseason, but teams really kind of figured out how to shut them down deep, and the Seahawks just really didn't know what to do. So now you bring in that system that really specializes in mesh, specializes in those uh, intermediate-range passes. You'll get DK Metcalf more in space as opposed to just deep. And I really like the Seattle Seahawks at that kind of bet. Um, Second for me is this Pittsburgh Steelers plus 500 to win the AFC North. I think the Baltimore Ravens and Cleveland Browns certainly have uh, better rosters at this point, certainly better quarterbacks, but I really feel like a lot of people are sleeping on the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Uh, I don't love what they did on the offensive line either, Um, but you get Najee Harris, you get Pat Firemuth, you get everybody on the receiving core back and healthy. And I do think that is in the realm of possibilities. And again, as kind of that third team in the division with the best odds, I think that would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, And I just don't really feel like any of the other teams kind of present that same kind of argument. And then the last one for me is Justin Herbert plus 1,800 for most passing touchdowns. And I really think that this, I really think that this Chargers team around him uh, presents some unique. Uh, red zone options, which we've seen in training camp so far. We know how the, the Chargers have kind of struggled in goal to go situations running the football. And so, you bring in Donald Parham and his development, you bring in Jared Cook, you had Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer. And so, I really think that Justin Herbert has a great chance of leading the league in touchdowns. Uh, I'm not going to predict that to be the case, but as a bet, and him being so far down the list, I think that is a fantastic bet. So, those are my three uh seattle seahawks to win the nfc pittsburgh steelers to win the afc north and justin herbert to win the league to lead the league excuse me uh in passing touchdowns
3: i like it you know if your kicker sucks which the chargers have a kicker that (laughs) isn't very good right now hey go for it all the time go score some touchdowns like you said justin herbert has plenty of weapons so i actually like that one uh yours were not unconventional but more interesting than mine were uh the first i'm going to go with See, I like bets like this where you don't—you wouldn't really pick this as the team or the player or what's going to happen, but you want to try to make some money here. You almost want to bet that's so stupid, yet there's a hint of hope for you. So I am going to say, (laughs) for Super Bowl odds to win, (laughs) I'm going to go with the Washington Football Team with plus four thousand. Now, listen, I think personally, if Washington Football Team can get into the postseason, Ryan Fitzmagic. Can screw up whatever you think sure. of playoff seeding or record or whatever, because all that matters at that point is one game, and who knows what he can do. That roster is actually pretty talented. Um, I don't know how, is Cosme a Washington football teamer. Yeah, he is.
1: He's, he's yeah, going to so, be their right tackle.
3: Yeah, so I like Cosme. I like Deami Brown. I like Gibson. I like Terry McLaurin. Like they have a lot of talent there, and a they quarterback do. who can do something interesting with it in the postseason, and obviously a very good defense. So. They are set up to be a very good team and I think it can do some damage. So Washington football team plus 4,000, not bad. The other one I picked, which makes a little bit more sense. And I I only picked this one because I have so much respect for the offensive coordinator. um, And that's Josh Allen for MVP. It's not like a super crazy, oh my gosh, really? Because he was in the running last season. But I do think, you know, if Mahomes has his MVP already, Marge has his MVP, maybe they want to find somebody else who is kind of almost there, but is going to show out and who... Who's going to show out more or given, be given the opportunity to show out more than Josh Allen? Because Brian Dable, their running game isn't very good outside of him. And their passing game is pretty solid with him. So Allen's going to be throwing like he did last year, running like he did last year. Dable is a madman. And they're going to throw on first down for the first 47 plays <laughs> of the season. And I think, you know, who's going to be, who's, other than, you know, Mahomes, Rodgers, and some of these established guys, who's going to be putting up more stats, at least. I don't know how many games they'll win. But who's going to be pointing out more stats than Josh Allen? Because Dable, yeah. like keep pedal to the metal with that offense. He wants them to score as much as possible. So I do think there's a shot there. So those are my two. A crazy bet with Washington football team <laughs> winning the Super Bowl. And then Josh Allen with MVP.
1: No, I really like that. Did you watch their last preseason game? No. They did <laughs> not throw the ball until or they did not run the ball until the third drive of the game. I love the it. first two drives <laughs> were all Josh Allen passes. Oh, my and gosh. Like, Dable is a madman, dude. He and is. he really has done, like, a 180 because, you know, if you look at, like, his Cleveland days as an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, it was all, like, run-heavy offenses. And now he's just like, screw it. I don't need a running game. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it the 50 times a game. Yeah. Um. So, Alex, what are your favorite bets for this season?
2: So, I have another MVP bet that I like uh, in the vein of – you know, all these guys who sort of step up, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson who elevate their game to that next level. Um, I think you could look at quarterbacks like Justin Herbert and Josh Allen who are going to, you know, potentially do that this year. But the one who actually has the longest odds of that group that I like is Kyler Murray at plus 1800. Uh, I think that, you know, he has DeAndre Hopkins, he has AJ Green. He has some of these weapons that they've given him uh, and they sort of improved the defense this year, brought in JJ Wan and some other guys there. Um, so that's a team that I think I don't like cliff Kingsbury at all. Uh, but just in terms of the value that's given there, uh, I think it's solid for what it is. And um, plus 1800, you know, you're not really losing any money, I guess, by betting on that and you have some potential to gain. Uh, so I like that one. Nashi Harris is plus 1200 uh, for offensive rookie of the year. I like that one quite a lot. Obviously, you can go to Mac Jones or any of these quarterbacks, um, but he's in a good spot in Pittsburgh, and I think he's going to have a lot of chance for offensive opportunities, which is why people love him as a fantasy option, and I think that does translate to awards too because (laughs) Offensive Rookie of the Year is often a stat award, so I do like those odds for Najee Harris. And my last bet is going to be the New York Giants' uh, under-seven wins – plus 125 (laughs) um and I just think that they are a mess their offensive line sucks their quarterback sucks and they're the worst team in the NFC East
1: (laughs) I don't know if I would go that far but I I understand the the thought process there (laughs) the NFC East man like it's just I don't know like what to expect of them this year and it really does suck because like they one of them is probably gonna not be very good again and win the division um but it's it's just tough there so uh good choices all around i'm very interested in the kyler murray mvp talk and of course the washington football team to win the super bowl why not (laughs) sometimes you just gotta throw a dark horse out there and if it lands dude you make a ton of money i'm i'm always amazed by those guys who like the stories will come out where it's like they they bet a thousand dollars on like the the lowest seeded thing and, and they won like a $100,000 or whatever the case is. So betting to me, I've dipped my toes in it. I'm definitely not a betting expert, um, but it is very interesting. Um, all right, we're going to transition now to our interview with Taylor Bishotti. Again, she had some great uh, insight into the Chargers. She's going to be doing the Chargers beat for NFL Network this year, which is, is going to be fascinating to watch. Um, so as always, the video is going to be in a separate link, and the audio version is going to happen right now. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Very excited to be joined today by fellow Blue Wire Podcast member as well as a sideline reporter for the NFL Network, Taylor Rashadi. Taylor, how are you, how's it going?
4: Hi, it's going well. How are you guys?
1: Good. I was just
4: pretty open of this about LA traffic. so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, very excited to have Taylor on with us today. We're going to preview some of the NFL storylines with her today. We're also going to get her insight into her visit to the Chargers training camp and a couple of the preseason games as well. Um, I actually want to start with this because I was reading that you used to do sidelines for uh, the SEC Network, and I've heard that there's been some uh, Nick Saban horror stories that some reporters (laughs) have had. Uh, Did you have any crazy experiences doing games with Nick Saban in the SEC?
4: Uh No, I've had nothing but, actually, shockingly, because you do hear those horror stories, I've had nothing but amazing them, so I cannot say a bad thing about them. Honestly, that entire Alabama organization was run so well. I went to Alabama my freshman year before transferring to Georgia, and honestly, it was kind of like a bucket list thing to do to be able to go to all those Alabama games and go to such an iconic, like, historic collegiate football school, so... I've had nothing but amazing experiences there. I worked for Sporting News after college and SEC Network, obviously. But specifically for Sporting News, went to Alabama to do a few stories. And again, everybody there was amazing to work with. So fortunate for me, I have not had any of those horror stories.
2: <laughs> he didn't give you the old, uh, I'm not going to, so quit asking. <laughs> <laughs> no. I well, guess
4: yeah, I was one of the Yeah, yeah no. absolutely like just be a part of both of those schools, like Alabama, Georgia, honestly, every school in the SEC and going to all those different games. I always say that there really is nothing like SEC football. And even after covering NFL games and seeing those tailgates, there's just something different in the air when it comes to SEC football. Right. And just the, of, like the entire town, especially in Tuscaloosa and Athens. And I know like Auburn, Alabama or Auburn Ole Miss, you know, the same thing where they just literally shut down. Starting on Fridays, the streets close down and everybody is revving up for football. It doesn't matter if kickoffs at 9 a.m. It doesn't matter if it's a seven o'clock game, six o'clock. I mean, people just—they're out all day for it, and it's so excited. It's the only thing that people talk about throughout the week. It's like people live for football, and it's amazing. It's—it's it's really cool to see.
1: Yeah, it really is. It—it it really. I had a friend who uh, lived down in Baton Rouge for a couple years. And yeah. he was always amazed at like how intense everything was because I'm from Utah. And so, I mean, it's intense for Utah football, right? But nothing compares to sec football, I think.
4: Yeah. I, I have to agree. I've never seen such like diehard avid fans who literally like, eat, breathe and sleep football.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that was a great story there for sure. I,
4: get a little bit more of that in Los Angeles for the Chargers. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Hopefully hope so. it, it seems like they're on the I right track.
4: Filled with that beautiful powder blue and gold and yellow this year, because honestly, this team deserves it. It jumping right in, even though you guys didn't ask me a question. <laughs> I did my, on my other blue wired podcast, let's catch up with Sam Patash. We did our uh, playoff predictions last night. I actually still have them right here. And we both, he has the Chargers winning the division. I have the Chargers actually Ooh. making the Super Bowl, but not winning the division. I still have the Chiefs winning the division, but I think that once they're in the playoffs, I do think that they're going to beat the Chargers. I mean, beat the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl. I just think that this wow. team has I really do. I feel like there's so much excitement around it. We saw what Justin Herbert was able to do after not having a, you know, a preseason uh, all this time, taking all those first-team reps with the offense, and now he does have that we're going to see he was already look what he accomplished last year. His ceiling is only going to keep getting higher and higher. He's just going to keep growing. And then I think that Brandon Staley, what he's able to do with this defense and just look at what he did with the Rams last year. He took them to the number one defense overall previous year. They were probably five fifth in the league. And so I was talking to actually Bradley Chubb the other day too. And he just said his like defensive mind is something that he's never experienced before, even after Brandon left. And so you can already see that in training camp and in practices and just speaking to the players about it. They're blown away. They're like, if I was on the opposing opposing offense, I wouldn't know how to guard us. I wouldn't know how to block us. Like Nobody's going to know what's coming from week to week. So I think yeah. that there's so much that's going to be going on with this team, not only offensively, but defensively.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've been at training camp and uh, have seen some of the Chargers games this preseason. And what have kind of been your takeaways so far from Brandon Staley to all the other parts of the team?
4: I'm such a big fan of Brandon Staley. Like, you know, it's easy to drink the Kool-Aid when you first go and like, right. you know, for a extended period of time. Except just from what I've seen of him so far, he's been nothing but like a class act, yet he's still has these guys wanting to perform at their absolute best. He's not much of like a yeller on the practice field. You don't see any of that. He's not rah, 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 but he's got a way of speaking to the players that really resonates. And they're definitely rallying behind him. You can see that they are totally buying into what he's selling. I think it's going to be a recipe for success. And then you just look at some of this talent that's coming up. Somebody that stood out to me so far is Josh Palmer. And him Keenan and allen uh, on the receiving front there's just so many offensive weapon austin eckler is back and healthy they've got rashawn slater protecting justin herbert's blind side austin eckler is now going to be able to it's going to open up the field for him so much having such a dynamic offensive line that is going to really create those holes for him i think there's they're just going to be a really tough team to defend all in all well
1: they're going to be a tough team to defend and they're going to be a tough team to score on like you mentioned um the Super Bowl though Taylor that's a that's
2: a bold heat
4: trust me I know it was bold but you know maybe it's me wanting it to happen I don't know I
2: we want it to happen too
4: (laughs) I'm being a really I I don't think that anybody's seen what they're going to do and I think that they're like I said I think they're going to be a really tough team to score on and defend because of offensive talent and defensive talent and i think that brandon staley is going to find a way to take this team last year that couldn't find a way to win a game but was always right on the cusp to the next level
1: well let me ask you this as as kind of a follow-up question did you how did going to like training camp and preseason maybe change your opinion there or did you always feel like this team was like had the talent to be super bowl bound
4: i definitely did not think so last year I thought that they were right on the verge and it was so frustrating each and every game you know not only just for selfish reasons because I was teetering both sidelines wondering which side I'm going to go interview after the game (laughs) never had time to prepare questions but um just in terms of like it was frustrating because you knew that they had the talent there and their defense didn't they just weren't cohesively working together and they couldn't find a way to stop opposing teams Yet you saw Justin Herbert's abilities in driving that football down the field and finding a way to make plays happen on offense that most other quarterbacks wouldn't have been able to do. Because not only was did he have an offensive line that was struggling at times, but Eckler wasn't fully healthy. He yeah. really had his go-to and in Keenan Allen. And other than that, I mean, there was Mike Williams too. But I really felt like by seeing the way that Brandon Staley has really changed – the coaching and the play calling and some of these like schemes that they're running is really what sold me on the Chargers being able to take it to the next level.
2: Yeah. And I think the Chargers are obviously going to be one of those teams that's uh, in the mix. Uh, when it, I don't know if I have them in the Super Bowl yet. Me and Steven aren't quite that rah rah about it, <laughs> uh, hey, even though we, we should be. <laughs>
4: That would have been really boring, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> right. You, you definitely got the people going with that Super Bowl prediction. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of going forward. What are some of your you know, regular season storylines, maybe the weeks one through four, this kind of first month of the season that you're really excited to see around the league?
4: Well, something that we were speaking about right before we jumped on here, too, was probably the big news of the day, which is Cam mm. Newton, Alt, Mac Jones in, which I don't think anybody saw that happening. I think it was only yeah. two days ago. Belichick said I'm not ready to name a starter yet and even if I was I'm not going to tell you guys until the game day so I don't think anybody really saw Cam Newton getting cut because from what we've heard which honestly like maybe we're the ones that are fools because we should just know by now that Bill Belichick says basically plan for the opposite but I remember midsummer in before training camp just I, I guess it was voluntary OTAs Bill Belichick all but said Cam Newton planned for him to be the starting quarterback week 1. And so he must have seen exactly what he needed to see in Mac Jones in order for him to be named starting quarterback. And I think that we were all very 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 impressed Mac week 1. I know I was I was kind of skeptical on that pick and I was like I just don't know if he's going to be the type of quarterback that's going to thrive in this, in, back, in this offense. But I, I guess if you think about it, Bill Belichick will create an offense around, you know, he's, he's a system quarterback kind of guy. And so he feels like Matt Jones can thrive in this, in this offense. So it's fascinating. And I, I still wonder, well, why wouldn't you keep cam as the backup? Why are you going with Brian Hoyer? And mm-hmm. I, that makes, still makes me wonder, is it just something where he doesn't feel like cam would be a good. uh, Addition to the locker room. Does he feel like it'd be an unhealthy environment? Do you think that Mac Jones would always be looking over his shoulder and not wondering if maybe I should play it safer? I have no idea. I feel like only Bill really knows that one. But it's fascinating because we've all seen that Cam can be a number one quarterback. Well,
2: it actually adds to the confusion, too, because in the last couple of hours, the Patriots also cut Brian Hoyer. So now they're down to, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, it's going to be Jones and Spidham. So I don't know.
4: <laughs> and like that makes no sense. I'm, I'm lost. Yeah
2: me too well it,
1: it's what? so funny like yeah it, to me the interesting thing there is that belichick has such a strong history of like dominating rookie quarterbacks defensively and so i, I never really pictured him like doing the whole rookie quarterback thing like from the jump um so it really just adds a, a really interesting dynamic on that team it
4: uh, i can't figure it out i'm i'm a little <laughs> lost but i did see a funny pic not funny picture but you know tom brady like they always do like that, that big throwback from when he first started off in the league and then there was a picture of mac jones compared to cam newton and just like the different mm-hmm. shapes of- <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: cam newton, like, stacked and like, he had big guns and like then it was mac and mac is just a little he looks like, tom- like-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
4: great description and he looks yeah. pear-shaped and I'm thinking, wow, this is kind of like a weird deja vu moment where you're thinking of Tom Brady. How have you first started off? Maybe he's got this whole plan, and we're all just going to be shocked this year. Who knows? I do not have, in my predictions, let me make sure, yeah, I do not have the Patriots making it. I have the Bills winning the East.
1: Well, I was just going to ask you if you think the Patriots could challenge the Bills, but because it feels like everybody's kind of crowned the Bills as like the – True contender towards the Chiefs. Obviously, if you have the Chargers making the Super Bowl, you feel differently. No, um, but... I. Mean,
4: I definitely think that. I think that the top teams are the Bills. I, I have the Chiefs winning the West. I just think that the Chargers will eventually be able to knock them off. I think they're going to need a couple of times going up against them, and I think they're going to be able to figure them out. And Brandon is a very obviously cerebral play caller, and I think he'll be able to find a way to out. I'll play call the Chiefs, honestly. Um, I think that the top contenders in the AFC are the Browns, Ravens, Titans, Bills. And I actually have all three teams in the AFC West making the playoffs. I know it's a, it's a stretch with the Broncos, but I loved that mm-hmm. I also saw them in that first preseason game.
2: Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, Teddy drew lock competition that was kind of going on now. Teddy's a starter uh what you know kind of compared to the Chargers right they have Justin Herbert who's obviously kind of this young you know gunslinging quarterback much like Josh Allen but it it seems like the Broncos are sort of in between quarterbacks a little bit so what, what are some of your thoughts there
4: I was honestly I did not know which quarterback was gonna be named the starter I was a little bit shocked by Teddy Bridgewater being named because I thought that It kind of limited them being able to stretch the field as much because Drew Locke can obviously sling it a lot farther, but I do feel like they are going to be a lot better this year because of that defense. Bradley Chubb is back. Von Miller is back. They haven't played together on the field healthy since 2019 week four. So I just feel like they're them coming back is really going to tie that defense together. And then obviously they've added some incredible weapons on offense.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting one to see as well because I feel like that really is like the only spot on the Broncos that really just needs to be solidified because I feel like they have great receivers, great defense, like you mentioned. It's just like how far can Teddy take them, and I I don't really know the answer to that question.
4: Yeah, in another big question mark around the league, obviously, is Jameis Winston, except I think that we Mm. all got that itch scratched when we saw what he was able to do in that third preseason game. That was incredible
1: yeah and that leads me to i kind of wanted to shift gears to the nfc because it it does feel like the afc is a little bit deeper this year than the nfc obviously you have the buccaneers who won the super bowl um the packers are are very talented but they have the aaron Rodgers kind of situation um how do you see the top of the nfc shaking out this year
4: i have packers uh for the nfc north and then south i have saints and bucks east i have cowboys And then both the NFC West and the AFC West, I've got three teams making it. So I have the 49ers, Rams, and Seahawks making it. Yeah,
2: Uh, I mean, that kind of makes a lot of sense given the picks and everything. I think the two West divisions are just insanely talented. And you could see three teams coming out of there, um, you know, with the new playoff rules and all that. Um, So I think that's going to be interesting to watch. Who do you actually have coming out of the NFC to challenge the Chargers in the Super Bowl?
4: Don't don't be mad at this pick. I, I went very basic on this one, but I went Bucks. How are okay. they not going to they yeah. were last year? They've only kept all their talent and then added some. So, unfortunately, I don't think that Tom will be regressing in any way, shape, or form. He just doesn't age.
1: Yeah, doesn't age. <laughs> he, he doesn't That's- age. I thought for sure the Chargers would have his number in 2018, uh, and then it just didn't work out. So, really, until Tom Brady regresses, I just think we have to all assume that he's going to be great and be in the Super
4: Bowl again exactly i mean i just don't see it changing i've never seen a team be able to keep as many starters as they have i don't know how that happened maybe everybody just wants to play with tom who knows
2: yeah drink uh, i mean the same... the... <laughs> drink the same tb12 protein shakes and all that right you can gotta go on that same regimen i mean it makes a lot of sense um, but I mean anytime you have a chance to win a Super Bowl, you know, we've seen veterans that, you know, are willing to take less to do it instead of go somewhere else and chase uh, you know, chase that, you know, paper. They want to chase that Super Bowl ring. And Tom Brady gives you the chance to do that year in and year out. So I guess here's the moment of truth. You have Chargers and Bucks. Who do you have winning at all?
4: Ah, oh, Sam's gonna kill me because I refuse to give an answer on the thought I was like, no. <laughs> I don't know. I it's a toss up at this point. I don't think we know it. Honestly, it all depends on injuries and which team stays healthy.
1: True. And that's always would, been the Chargers thing, right?
4: At home, at SoFi, but who knows?
1: Man, I, that really would be truly something special if the Chargers could, you know, be the second Back team in a row to to host the Super Bowl.
4: Yeah. So I'm well, hoping it's the because that's my beat this year. So I'll be doing lots of chargers coverage. So the better they are, the happier I am.
1: (laughs) There we go. Some breaking news from, from Taylor doing the chargers stuff. Are you doing for uh, NFL network or for the, like the local broadcast?
4: Uh, For NFL network.
1: Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So we'll be seeing a lot of Taylor around, which uh, is going to be great. I think, you know, that's You know, the more the merrier in terms of covering the Chargers. I think we're very fortunate with uh, the reporters that we do have, but it's always good to bring some new energy into the media crowd for sure.
4: Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited about it. I'm actually going to Costa Mesa tomorrow, so I'll let you know if I see anything else that stands out. Yeah. It's an exciting watch, so I'm excited to just be a part of it.
1: Yeah, we're excited to to listen to your coverage, Chargers fans. Make sure and follow her on Twitter as well, especially if she's going to be covering the Chargers. That's going to be a huge one to to keep an eye on, Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us. This has you been fantastic.
4: The sun is going down. And I should have turned the light on, but I didn't want to get up mid podcast because it is very dark in here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's all good. We thank you so much, and and um, again, thank you so much for for uh, joining us today. It's been a
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, of course. Thank you. All right, Alex, uh, what did you think of our interview with Taylor? I think uh, obviously the pick she had for the Chargers. I'm not going to spoil it for our video audience, but she thinks very highly of the Chargers this year. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we've been optimistic about this Chargers team and, and the records that we have for them. And she just blew us out of the water on our own show. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, that was that was fun, too do that with her. And it's great that she'll be, you know, covering the beat for the chargers. I think she's a great interviewer and all that. Uh, so, you know, uh it's going to be great to see kind of what she brings to that team. The chargers already have some great beat writers and reporters, um, you know, like Daniel Popper. So it- it'll be great to see some kind of more interviewers in that vein as well, who are going to be on the sidelines. So that'll be fun. Absolutely. I, I like Alex said. I thought I was optimistic about the Chargers this year, and then she made <laughs> her pick, and I was
1: like, okay, she, you know, I'm I, bad. I, she's, <laughs> yeah, she's had a lot more access to teams than we have had. So, yeah, you know, sure. I, I totally understand why certain media members favor certain teams. Uh, you know, you got to go with what you know. So, um, all right, let's get to our predictions this year, and we're going to start with uh, our playoff AFC teams and then playoff NFC teams as well as. Our picks to win the Super Bowl, and then we'll get to some regular season award predictions as well. Um, who wants to kick us off for AFC playoff teams?
2: I can. Uh, <laughs> if you want to start. Uh, that's yeah, go ahead, fine. Alex. That's fine with me. Uh, so, my divisional winners in the AFC, I will take the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South. Uh, I'm not really a Colts believer. I think they have a lot of problems in their offensive line. Wentz uncertainty, and they just have some injuries in general that have been kind of battering them recently. T.Y. Hilton, now done for a certain amount of time, had surgery. So that's yeah. tough to lose. Um, so I, I give the Titans the AFC South, and they have the Texans and the Jaguars in their division. So four free wins for you. Um, so that's always nice. Uh, I have the Bills in the AFC East. I don't think the difference between like the Bills and the Dolphins and the Patriots is as much as maybe the media is making it out to be. Um, sure. But I think they do still have the most talented quarterback at this point and, and the best overall team uh, when we talk about the Bills. So I will take them. I could definitely see, you know, the Patriots or Dolphins winning that division, though, still. Um, but I will go with the Bills in the north. It's really tough. I think it comes down to the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, I did ultimately choose the Baltimore Ravens to win that division. That thing kind of flips every year, though, between them and the Steelers, and now the Browns are involved. So I wouldn't be surprised to see any of the three win that division. Uh, But I feel like kind of, you know, not that Lamar had a bad year last year, but I think he'll play much more like he did over the back half of the season than he did in the first half. Um, So I kind of like the Ravens there. Uh, And in the AFC West, uh, I do have the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think that's going to be kind of across the board for us, unfortunately. So, yeah, do have to go with the Chiefs there. So, uh, my four division winners to recap are the Titans, Bills, Steelers, and Chiefs. For my wild card teams, uh, I did decide to go uh, with the Cleveland Browns, the Los Angeles Chargers, and I went with the New England Patriots. Uh, so, those will be my three wild card teams. Uh, I thought about the Colts and the Dolphins, you know, yeah. the Steelers putting them out as tough too. Um, but to me, those are the three wild card teams for me in the AFC. I do
1: agree about the Colts and the Titans. I I don't necessarily buy the Titans that much, but if you would have asked me, you know, like a month ago, I would have picked the Colts for sure, but Mm -hmm. they've just got all these injuries. You know, they don't really know who their left tackle is going to be. They don't know what's up with Carson Wentz. They have a COVID outbreak. T.Y. Hilton's hurt. And their schedule to start is is honestly brutal. Like they could realistically start like one and five, and I wouldn't be all that surprised. Like they open with, um, I wrote it down, but um, they open with like the Seahawks, the Rams, and it's just really is brutal. And so I, I'm selling the Colts stock as much as I can, not just because I, I don't really buy the Titans, but it's, I just think they'll kind of win by default. Um, yeah. So I'll give mine now. I have the Bills coming out of the AFC East. Uh, For what it's worth, I think they'll be the one seed. I think they'll beat the Chiefs and have the tiebreaker. Um, The Chiefs will win the AFC West. Uh, If you would have told me again to make predictions a couple weeks ago, I would have had the Ravens uh, winning the North. But that J.K. Dobbins injury, I think, really kind of changes, you know, a game or two here or there. Uh, So I think the Browns will ultimately win the AFC North, Titans winning the AFC South. And then uh, the three wildcard teams, I have the Ravens still making it. And then I have the Steelers making it and then the Chargers. Um, Like Alex, I thought about the Dolphins and I thought about the Patriots, but I really think that division in the AFC East is really going to just beat up on each other. Um, I see them each kind of like splitting games with each other outside of the Bills. So I think the Dolphins and Patriots just kind of miss just because the division is really tough out there. So uh, to recap, I have the four division winners, Bills, Chiefs, Browns, Titans, And then I have Ravens, Steelers, and Chargers.
3: Wow. Okay. So we're all, I think, well, we're pretty close, but I think we just differ very, very slightly. I mean, again, I don't think this is super hard to predict. I have the Chiefs, the Titans, the Browns, and the Bills. I don't have them particularly seeded. Although if you had to ask me, gun to my head, who's winning the one seed? Yeah, I like the Bills. Um, Though I do think the Chiefs can beat them in the playoffs, and we'll talk about that. Um, And then for my wildcard teams, I do have the Patriots. I just think with everything coming back, and with at least as NFL ready as Mac Jones looks, I think they can pull it enough. Um, and against the Patriots, like they, they always sneak in, they always get away in the playoffs and yada yada. Sure. Um, so Patriots, and then I do have the Chargers. So again, I don't hate this team. We don't hate this team. We don't think the Super Bowl contenders. I so do. <laughs> yeah. so that's right. Alan hates the team. Um, he's wearing his uh, Washington Football Red right now in support of his. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, the Patriots, Chargers, and Ravens are going to be my wild card teams. I just think what the, like you said, the Dobbins injury, that's big. I just think what the Browns have on defense is unfreaking real. It's a little unfair, to be completely honest, but yeah. that's what happens when you draft pretty well and then sign a lot of really good guys. It's just that defense is really, really good. The offense will be pretty solid. It'll only go as far as Baker can go. Um, but I can kind of say the same thing about the Ravens and Lamar, although I'd rather take Lamar. Um, but I do think the Browns' defense is just that much better, and they were so close last season. They were a pretty well-oiled machine, and so I just
1: think they'll take that next step forward and be a real challenge in the AFC. Yeah, I, I think the the Cleveland Browns, I, I think, are a real dark horse to, to come out of the AFC, but I think they're still kind of like a year away from really making that next jump, which is is kind of what we've seen in the past. Like, you got to make it to the playoffs first, and then you become that Super Bowl kind of team um so the cleveland browns are definitely close um all right let's go to the nfc picture uh i'll start us off i have the packers winning the north um i think the rest of that division just kind of stinks um i have the tampa bay buccaneers winning the afc south um that team returning as many teams as they are as many players as they have is really kind of ridiculous um and then i have the seattle seahawks winning the west again if you would have had me pick uh, a couple weeks ago, I probably would have said the Rams, but that Cam Akers injury, I just think is really going to make this the Rams much more one-dimensional than Sean McVay really kind of likes. Um, so I, I have the Seahawks winning by just like a game or two, potentially. Uh, maybe even like tying and winning the tiebreaker. Uh, I have the Washington football team winning the NFC East. I don't feel great about it. The Cowboys could certainly win that division, uh, but Dak's health is really kind of up in the air right now um so that that's kind of the thing um and then i have my three wildcard teams i have the rams the saints and the niners and then i have just missing the cowboys and the vikings so again i have the seven playoff teams packers bucks seahawks washington football team rams saints and niners all right reverse order i'm next so
3: uh, i do have the tampa bay buccaneers winning their division the green bay packers I am going with the Rams. I actually kind of like Sony Michelle, but that's based on very little to be completely honest. But I do think, I mean, they'll go as far as Stafford can go. I just think they can play a little bit more defense. Now, the interesting thing to watch, in, in my opinion, the most interesting thing about the, the the Rams is that they lost a number of coaches and they leached some players. I'd love to see what they do with this next defensive coordinator and this next set of talent because they lost a lot of guys and a lot of guys were so good because of Brandon's daily. Well, they're gone, and he's gone. So what kind of defense is this going to be? But they do sure. have, still have some centerpieces. They did keep Floyd. So I think they can play just a little bit more defense. And so I'll give them the edge over the Seahawks. But it's a coin flip, in my opinion. And um, then I do have the Super Bowl favorite Washington football team winning in their <laughs> division, followed by uh, the wild card. I have the New Orleans Saints, the Seattle Seahawks. And then I'm going to go with the Vikings, but not because I feel great about it, but because I don't know about the Cowboys. I, I think, honestly that the NFC West is going to just beat up on each other and someone is going to have a worse record just because they beat up on each other, not because they're a worse team. It's just that's the way it worked out. Somebody has to lose out. They already have two guys in the playoffs, so someone has to miss out. So I'm going to go with the Vikings because why not, I guess. It'll make my brother-in-law happy.
1: Well, they do get, you know, like uh, Alex was saying about the AFC South, like they get four games against the Bears and Mm -hmm. the Lions. So theoretically, that's at least three wins. You know, but it is what it is. All right, Alex, wrap us up with the NFC. What
2: do you got? Uh, I got the Packers winning the NFC North. Uh, no surprises there. Uh, I got the. This is tough. I go back and forth on this. I have the Dallas Cowboys winning the NFC East. Um, and that <laughs> pains me to say. Blink if you're being held hostage. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think Washington is the more complete team in that division to an extent, but I do like what yeah. Dak gives you as a high-end quarterback in that offense. They just mm-hmm. have so many weapons that can kill you. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, I do think they win the East. It may be a 7-9 and nine NFC East kind of win, because that's how the division's been trending, but I do have them winning, and I'm sure they won't in four months. Um, but then uh, I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like you guys have said, winning the NFC South. Um, I think the Saints could be a contender here uh, if Jameis Winston gives them high enough level play, but uh, sort of need to see more than one preseason game to, to kind of make sure. that evaluation. Uh, and then you have the Panthers and the Falcons, who I just think are fortunately completely out of it for now. I don't think there's mm-hmm. much those teams can do as they're sort of in quasi rebuilds. Um, so the NFC West is also a tough division to pick. I ended up going with San Francisco 49ers uh, to win the division. I know a lot of people have boiled it down to the Seahawks and Rams. Wouldn't be surprised if any of those four teams won. I think it's really possible for any of them. Uh, But I do think at some point the Niners will turn to Trey Lance. And I I think their defense will be a little bit better than last year with a lot of the guys they're getting back like Nick Bosa. Um, So to me, that's a real dogfight division uh, i could see any of those four teams winning it but for now i will take the niners to win it uh and for my three wild card teams it's really hard to pick three so i'll go with the saints uh i'll go with the saints the seahawks and the cardinals I will go with those three as my wild cards. So I have left the Rams out of the playoffs, which I'm sure will really? come back to bite me in the ass. Uh, but uh, for those, for now, those are my three teams. Uh, I'm not picking multiple playoff teams out of the NFC East or North, as you might be able to tell.
1: Alex, are you okay, man? Like you picked the Cowboys <laughs> and Cliff Kingsbury's team to make the playoffs?
2: Well, it's not Cliff Kingsbury's team; it's Kyler Murray's team, and that's, <laughs> that's, how, that's how I view that's how I view my sipping for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> there
1: we go. Um, the Saints are really interesting to me, and I, I think mm-hmm. you know them losing games at the Superdome is really unfortunate. And, and shout out to True. to anyone that's down there. Uh, I know our, our guy Craig has some family that lives in in Louisiana, so I hope everyone is okay there. Um, But did you guys hear why they picked Jacksonville as opposed to other places?
3: Yes, Jeff Duncan's article was great.
1: (laughs) I didn't didn't read it, so enlighten me. So they were deciding between like Louisiana or they were deciding between playing in Dallas or playing in like Alabama or playing in Florida. And they ended up choosing Jacksonville for the sole purpose that it was the most difficult place for Packers fans to get to. Like they had someone in their front office or somebody like that like chart out like flights and everything and apparently like jacksonville <laughs> was the most expensive and longest oh flights God. and so they figured that that would kind of deter some packers fans from flying because ed- anybody can fly to dallas like super quick you, you likely have the direct flight it's probably super cheap but sure. flying to jacksonville is longer and much more expensive so uh that's the reason why they're playing in jacksonville and not somewhere else
2: also, who wants to go to Jacksonville? Who <laughs> like, wanted to live in Florida? I I, well, like, look, if you live in Florida, Miami's Miami, different. yeah, Miami and Fort Lauderdale. I don't want to live in Jacksonville. It's just like the armpit of America. Like, I, mean, I thought, that, I thought that
3: was Cincinnati a couple months ago. Alex.
2: It's it's Cincinnati. It's Jacksonville. the other armpit. Yeah. yeah, you
1: get two armpits.
2: Yeah, there's way more than two armpits. I mean, <laughs> we're being honest about this country. But uh, yeah, no, I. I I guess that makes sense. You know, I'd rather play there than Dallas anyway, because then you have to, like, share the stadium with the Cowboys, which seems gross. Um, So, you know, I guess Jacksonville is is okay for what it is. I hope they get back to the Superdome as soon as they can, though, because that's always a fun place to play. And obviously, you know, just watch on TV and hear all the noise. And that was one of the disappointing things, in addition to Michael Badgley missing kicks in the Superdome last year. Uh, was just you know that game did not have the same energy yeah. that it usually has for for prime time you know football game there. So I hope they get back there as soon as they can. Yeah, and I just think they're they're so interesting. They're
1: gonna be so well coached again that defense is still super nasty, even though they lost a bunch of players. Um, but we'll have to see. All right, let's pick our conference game participants and Super Bowl uh, winners. Uh, Alex started us off last time. So, Tyler, give us your AFC Championship game participants, NFC Game Champion, NFC Championship Game participants, and who you have in the Super Bowl and who you have winning. Uh no surprise. I do have the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. I
3: will continue to put them there until Mahomes blows out his knee. And so I have them playing. Uh, okay. I have them playing the Browns. Now, okay. Technically, based on seating, this could be different. And if I had seated them, it's sure. potential that this the matchup wouldn't happen because they'd maybe they'd lose the Bills or whatever. But uh, based on, the, I, I really think the Browns could take that next step. Uh, it's weird to be talking about them in this way, but I do think I would like to at least see it. Maybe I'm just manifesting it because I would like to see Cleveland go somewhere in the NFL and give some hope to Chargers fans that maybe one day we'll get there too. Um, so I had the Chiefs <laughs> and the Browns. Unfortunately, the Browns get smushed and the Chiefs end up winning because, of course, I'm going to pick them until, again, until I can't, I will pick them. So the Chiefs are moving on to the Super Bowl for the billionth year in a row. The NFC Championship game is honestly no surprise. It's coming down to the Packers and the Bucks for me. I would love to see something else out there. But at this point, I think those two teams are just going to collide in the playoffs, in the NFC Championship game. And it's going to be, you know, the winner gets onto the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, so of those two, I would love to say that Aaron Rodgers is going to make it to the Super Bowl, but again, I there's just something about that team where there's just kind of something missing, even though he's great and Jones is great and Adams is great and their line is very good. I just I don't know, I don't really buy them to be to beat the Bucs. I obviously buy them as a team to get into the NFC championship game, but I don't buy them to win. So unfortunately, I am repeating Chiefs versus Bucks and are we picking Super Bowls yet, the winners? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, man. So I hate Patrick Mahomes, and I hate Tom Brady. <laughs> so we're here right now. It's it's not great. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and unfortunately pick the Kansas City Chiefs, barring them losing both of their tackles and their linemen right before the, the, the Super Bowl. I yeah. do think that the Chiefs are – they had the most magical quarterback, and I do think they – upgraded potentially their offensive line unless that becomes awful, which again, it potentially could new pieces. But I just think they unfortunately added two really good interior offensive linemen and a tackle for not all that much. And so I'm very irritated with the NFL for letting them do that. If (laughs) if they had not been able to add a Creed Humphrey, a Trey Smith, then maybe. But they added them and they've been really good because of course they've been really good. Shocker huge shocker the two really good players are really good so of course the chiefs are going to move on and i do think the chiefs
1: are going to get their revenge um so yeah i have the chiefs winning the super bowl i do think that they absolutely upgraded the interior um Mm -hmm. i don't think that they upgraded over like a healthy eric fisher and mitchell schwartz um but definitely upgraded over what they had in the super bowl for sure um all right alex give us your predictions for conference
2: championship weekend and super bowl before i do that i want to respond to something that tyler said tyler said that the browns have to give hope to the chargers that someday what a weird sentence (laughs) what what, what have the browns done over the last 30 years they've been garbage cleveland is a garbage city
3: but what what (laughs) honestly have the chargers done in our lifetime like they've the Chargers to the have been better over the
2: last 20 years than the Browns. True, the Browns go 0-16 every year before they got Baker Mayfield. So even if, so. if that
3: trash team can make it to the postseason <laughs> I and go to the Championship saying. game, by golly, this Chargers team can. <laughs> they can I make say. it. Anyone can make it.
2: But, like, like, I don't know. We've had more playoff appearances and runs than them. Anyway, um, going to the AFC, um, I think the conference championship game... <sighs> I mean, the Chiefs are going to be there. I don't have much doubt about that. I think who the other team is can come down to really the AFC North and the AFC East. Uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs and the Bills again. Uh, I will go with that just because I think the Bills have are a little bit better coached and just kind of have a better you know path offensively uh, through Josh Allen than you know playing through Baker Mayfield although the Browns are getting some of their offensive pieces back. Um, And in that championship game, unsurprisingly, I'm also going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl again. Uh, I don't think there's too much surprise. Uh, Obviously, I think the Bills are a team that can beat the Chiefs. They're capable of doing it. They were capable of doing it last year. They've upgraded uh, their defense a little bit. But to me, just Patrick Mahomes behind a healthy offensive line this year, um, that's just something that I don't think the bills can quite contend with, uh, at least at this point. Uh, and in the NFC, <laughs> uh, that little chuckle it. gets
1: me every time. Yeah. How far
3: are the Cowboys
2: going here, Alex? I'm <laughs> going too far. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go with the' I'm gonna go with the Packers and the Seahawks. Uh, in the NFC championship game doing what they did a couple of years ago. was it 2015 when that happened, um, you know, so they uh, rematched in the NFC championship game <sighs> and I have to give it to Rogers. Come on. He has to win an NFC championship game eventually <laughs> here. I can't curse him for this off this much longer. Um, I I feel like, you know, he's kind of on a revenge tour and coaching staff will be a little bit better. Definitely some questions on the offensive line with Corey Lindsley leaving and Brian Balaga already gone, right? Um, but I, I think they've always been good at rebuilding that offensive line. So I will go with a Chiefs Packers Super Bowl. This is also like Steven and Tyler do often me manifesting it into existence because I would like to see Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers in Super Bowl before I die. Uh, that would be really fun. But uh, I'm going to go, like Tyler said, with the Chiefs in the end. Man, everybody's picking the chiefs
1: and uh i am not going to do that i think the chiefs will be in the (laughs) afc championship game but as i said earlier i think the bills go to kansas city in week eight or nine or whenever it is and get a win and get Mm -hmm. the one seed and i just think playing at home in buffalo is really going to be the difference for them and i do think that they made enough upgrades on defense to kind of Manage Patrick Mahomes. And like we all talked about, we're all expecting a big season from Josh Allen. And they have a ton of weapons on the outside. I love the Emmanuel Sanders pick. Now they really have four legitimate receivers that he can throw to. Um, so I have the Bills beating the Chiefs in the AFC championship game. Um, and then in the NFC championship game, like Alex, I really would love to see you know Aaron Rodgers playing a Super Bowl again, especially if it's against Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. I just like they're kind of like they really remind me of the Suns, the Phoenix Suns of my childhood where they're just so much fun to watch and they just <laughs> yeah. really cannot play anybody that really kind of bullies them. So I have the NFC championship game being the Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Seahawks would be able to go to Green Bay and do what the Packers what the Bucks did and, and kind of bully them off the field uh to a certain extent and then I do have the Buccaneers winning. So Um, similar to the Chiefs that Tyler was saying, I'm not going to predict Tom Brady not being in the Super Bowl until I see it happening more often. Um, so I have the Bills and the Buccaneers, but I do have the Bills winning. So I think it's going to be a special, special season for the Buffalo Bills, despite all the COVID struggles from Cole Beasley that they have had and others. Um, I do think that they just have a great culture. I think they upgraded their pass rush. I think AJ Epinesa and Gregory Rousseau and Boogie Basham will really help that team kind of take that next step. And then I love that offense, so I have the Bills beating the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl.
3: The Bills got Rousseau and Basham.
1: They sure did. They sure did. <laughs> no, they, uh... I'm not gonna
3: change my pick yet,
1: but <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy because they their GM like came out and said like when they got to the third round, they were not planning on taking another pass rusher but Boogie Basham was just sitting right there. And so we've talked about like the flexibility in like the secondary that you have with like Derwin and Chris Harris and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Talk about the flexibility of a pass rush with Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham, all guys who can play on the edge, all guys who can rush on the interior. And you have kind of like what Alex's Eagles had in 2018, where you just mm-hmm. have four dudes who can get yeah. after the quarterback and I just think that really is going to be a huge help when you're going up against all these great quarterbacks.
2: Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Super Bowl on Twitter, would uh, that would make me delete you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is definitely not what I want to see.
1: Like, I do think from a Super Bowl standpoint, like Chiefs and Packers would absolutely be the most fun because you know that game is going to be like 49 to 42. But I, I just... <laughs> I can't buy the Packers, man. I, I can't. Like every time it gets to them against a physical team, they just, they wilt. So I I just can't buy the Packers this year.
2: I'm just trying to do what you did with the Trey Pipkins cut and manifesting it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know it's not going to happen, but I'm just going to do it anyway.
1: No, I, I appreciate that for sure.
2: All right. Let's wrap this up with our predictions for some
1: regular season awards. Um, surprise to nobody. I'm picking Josh Allen to win the MVP. I think, you know, getting the one seed is almost kind of a requirement at this point. Um, and I think he's going to pair that with some elite numbers for defensive player of the year. I'm actually going to go with Chase Young. I think Chase Young is going to have a monster season taking that second year leap. Um, you know, I think he really is going to be put together a special season. Uh, offensive player of the year. I have Devontae Adams, best receiver in the league, going to put up huge numbers again. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. I'm picking someone that was already mentioned on the show, and that's Najee Harris. I don't really buy any of the quarterbacks putting up, like, truly special numbers this year, um, although I think Mac Jones could certainly make it interesting because I think he's going to be on a, a winning team and and put up okay numbers. But I'm going to pick Najee Harris because I think he's going to be, you know, fed the rock 20, 25 times a game, have a huge season. Um, and then somebody asked us about this live stream about, like, dark horse picks. And I'm going to double down on Joe Tryon for Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think, mm-hmm. again, he's, you know, we've seen that kind of shift towards being a pass rusher uh, award. And so I think that Joe Tryon is kind of my favorite pick in terms of the rookies to put up some sneaky good numbers. Uh, and of course, if I were betting and mentioning a favorite bet again, it would be Joe Tryon. Um, and then the least. Surprising award pick of anything is going to be comeback player of the year, yeah. which is going to be Dak Prescott because he plays quarterback and he plays quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. So you might as well pencil that <laughs> in now. I know everybody is going to want Derwin yeah. James or Christian McCaffrey or Nick Bosa, but it's going to be Dak Prescott because he plays quarterback and he plays quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think that's Dak Prescott is going to be the interesting one to watch. I mean, he's definitely the favorite. The only thing I'm concerned about with him is just what this arm stuff is all about. Uh, And I don't think that'll really cause him problems in the long term. But if he misses a few games here and there, that could take away from his candidacy. I don't think it'll happen as of now until we learn more. Um, So for MVP, (laughs) I'm going to do what I do last year and give it to Russell Wilson. (laughs) Uh, he's getting the Shanahan offense. I'm going to speak it into existence until it keeps happening. Uh, so he has this thing where it's like week ten. He's like the MVP favorite, and then it just falls off with the Seahawks uh, doing what they usually do. Um, so uh, that's unfortunate. But I, I feel like he has to win one. He's too good to not win one over he's the course of his career. So I'll give it. I I I'll give it to him this year. Um, Offensive and defensive rookie of the year. I do have Micah Parsons winning defensive rookie of the year. I just think he's going to have too many opportunities for numbers. Um, Sorry, Stephen. Offensive rookie of the year. uh, I will go with Najee Harris. Um, I, you know, actually, no, I'm not going to go with Najee Harris. I'm going to go with Mac Jones uh, just because of uh, what the Patriots have done. I've gone back and forth between those two. I still think Najee Harris is the best bet just because his odds are longer and Mac Jones' sure. odds have become supercharged since Cam Newton was released. Um, but I do think that Mac Jones actually wins the award with the system that they had there in New England and the weapons that they've gotten for him, Hunter Henry and John New Smith, Nelson Aguilar. Um, and so, you know, I think that they have enough pieces there to the point where it's better than it was last year. Uh, and even in Tom Brady's final year when he was throwing to Mohamed Sanu at the end of playoff games. Uh, so... <laughs> I will uh, I will take, yeah, Najee Harris uh, and Michael Parsons for the Rookie of the Year Awards. Player and defensive player, uh, offensive and defensive player of the year. Um, tough to say, I mean, because I think Russell Wilson's winning a VP that takes him out of offensive, uh, offensive player of the year. So, you know, I think I could go with uh, Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, somebody like that for offensive player of the year. Just that's kind of the runner-up to MVP at this point. Obviously, they could also give it to whoever the most impressive running back or wide receiver is as well. Uh, and for <clears throat> defensive player of the year, uh, defensive player of the year, I think Chase Young is a good bet. So I'll go with that one uh, like Steven did. I think that makes a lot of sense. And comeback player of the year has to go to Dak Prescott, unfortunately. Um, uh, at least until we know more about his arm injury, and then of course that can change and we could start talking about Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey or Joe Burrow, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Yeah. No, good picks. Um, for the sake of trying to avoid some of like the obvious like, oh,
2: quarterback's gonna win
3: offense or like pass rushers gonna win defensive rookie. I'll try to pick some different guys. So for offensive rookie of the year, I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts, which I don't I don't
1: really believe in,
3: but you know what? If anyone is going to do it and break the mold for, not a quarterback or not a running back. Some freaking monster like Kyle Pitts is, is the guy to do it. And he's going to be a high volume, high target guy in that offense. That team is going to win all of three games, but he's going to have months. <laughs> he's going to have a monster season. Uh, he's going to have a monster season for the Falcons and a monster season for my fantasy football team. So thank you for that uh, for defensive rookie of the year for picking somebody a little bit different. Uh, I'm sure Alex is going to love this. I'm going to go with Patrick Sertan. I do think the situation that he's in is really, really good. He's going to look very good. It sounds like he already looks very good. And coming out of college, he was a very good player. So, you know, again, it'll probably go to a pass rusher or a linebacker. But in trying to manifest something else, I do think Patrick Sertan could be a very, very interesting pick there. Uh, For offensive player of the year, I did have Devontae Adams. I just think when I made, back when we did that fantasy sort of draft, Devontae Adams was head and shoulders above every other receiver in almost every category and when combining all those categories he was just so much further along than everybody else and rogers is still there therefore i'm gonna go with adams for defensive player of the year i'm surprised not a single charger was picked i'm going with joey bosa i think it is time i think he they have a good plan for him i do believe he's going to stay healthy fingers crossed knock on wood Um, but i do think when he's healthy if healthy he is one of the best defensive players in football and as long as they don't give it to Aaron Donald for the 45th time in a row, <laughs> I do think Joey Bosa, I mean, again, Donald obviously deserves it, but Bosa is always the guy who is right behind Aaron Donald in terms of you know statistics, pass rush, win rate, run stops and whatnot. So I'm going to give it to Bosa. That's obviously if he stays healthy. I could totally see Derwin James winning it as well. He's going to be a very popular player. He is a very popular player with a very popular coach on a very popular team in terms of I guess national media coverage, I would sort of say, like an LA team. So I think he has a shot um, for comeback player of the year. I really wanted to vote for Tim Tebow, but he's not on the <laughs> roster anymore. So I'm going to go with Dak Prescott as well. There's nothing I can do there. My hands are tied. So I had to go with Dak Prescott. Oh, yeah. And um, then MVP, I'm going to go with Josh Allen as well. I do think, even if Mahomes has a pretty similar season, I just think they kind of want to give it to somebody else. So let's go with Josh Allen. I don't know if we're doing coach of the year. But oh, coach we of didn't, the year, but you can, yeah. Yeah, for coach of the year, again, if I think this team is going to be good and someone I bet money on to win the Super Bowl, I'll go with Ron Rivera. Why not? Because I think they can potentially take the next step, and he's a good story because he's a cancer survivor. And so as long as that team doesn't crumple within because they're all not vaccinated, I do think Ron Rivera has a shot at coach of the year.
2: What's I'm going to go sad? Oh,
3: I was Run just going to say,
2: I'm going to do my Homer thing so you guys can get off my ass about this roster code stuff. Brandon Staley, coach of the year, first time winner. Uh, so that's going to be. Congratulations.
3: 64 minutes and no one's listening anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, nope. Yeah. So we'll go with Brandon Staley, coach of the year. But I do think that
1: Staley is honestly a good pick because we've seen yeah. kind of this trend recently where it's like either somebody, like obviously Ron Rivera won last year. Wait, did he win last year? Or was it Stefansky?
2: No, Stefansky. You won okay. twice, though.
4: Yeah. So
1: we, we've seen kind of like it be coaches who are like really overcoming a lot. Like Ron Ver was, I know he was in a discussion for a long time mm-hmm. because of like making the playoffs with that atrocious quarterback situation. <laughs> um, but we've also seen it be like recently, you know, first time head coaches like Matt Nagy won it and then Stefanski won it. And so it, it's, you know, it is very possible for Brandon Staley to, to do that. Um, I'm going to go with Sean Payton for coach of the year. I think it's been mm-hmm. quite a while. And I think if he really does take on Jameis as a reclamation project and it works out, like, I think that's going to carry a lot of weight. And then, of course, you know, you had the Rivera cancer story last year. This year, you'll have the hurricane in New Orleans again. Mm, so, good point. I do think that Payton could get some uh, sympathy votes there.
5: What I was going to oh, say,
1: though, is that uh, just really quickly, like we were laughing about the Tim Tebow thing, but you know, if he made the roster and like made any kind of contribution that he probably would win it
4: yeah (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah, jeremy Shab would have been on espn like here's the thing you don't get about tim tebow (laughs) um all that espn simping for tim tebow i'm so happy you got cut uh anyway uh what was i gonna say oh i was talking about defensive player of the year and i said chase young but then Tyler reminded me that Aaron Donald existed and I'm reverting that award back. To <laughs> <laughs> so easy to forget about him, you know, <laughs> So, so easy. <laughs> man. It's just like one of the
1: most dominant stretches in history. Like it's just mm-hmm. unreal. Like what he does. And you know, I, I, whenever I think of Aaron Donald and like how dominant he is, I think of that picture that Ted Winn posted of the Miami dolphins, literally blocking him with three players and then having a tight end block, like each of their edge rushers instead. Like it just, it cracks me up like how dominant he is and still to this day just like is wrecking fools and shout out to that one ESPN uh survey who said that he was like the 50% tackle and just how stupid uh, that was. But, um All right guys, this has been a great show. Hopefully you enjoyed it our listeners. I think it was it's going to be a super fun NFL season. So many storylines that we talked about and that we also kind of discussed with Taylor Bashati, so there's a lot to look forward to uh and of course like we have no idea how the return of fans and stands is going to impact things this year, um, which I think is a true wild card this year. But Tyler, uh, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today's show?
3: I am so happy the regular season is over almost here. And even though we have picked mostly non-chargers, there's a really good case for a lot of chargers and sure. this team and this coach to win these awards, to look really good, to make the postseason. So I'm very excited about this team. Everyone again still is very healthy. I'm so excited about that. And I cannot wait to watch them week one and then be there with all four of
2: us and the eighty thousand dollars cowboy fans in week two. <laughs> yeah, uh that's that's gonna be a tough one for you guys. Uh so yeah, no, I i definitely am excited to watch the Chargers and you know, Steven mentions uh the hurricane story, uh and, and how that could boost Sean Payton, but I think if you look at overcoming Tyron- cutting Tyron Johnson, that could really boost Brandon Staley's candidacy. <laughs> <tendency. laughs> you, you had to go
1: there, man. Well done. I, I appreciate it. I respect the, I respect the commitment to the bit there. <laughs> uh, but in also seriousness, man, I know there's been a lot of negativity around, you know, Twitter recently because, you know, we disagree with roster decisions and things like that. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, like Alex was saying on Twitter today is like, we can, support the team and still disagree with what they're doing. But that doesn't mean like we are, you know, jumping ship on this team. Like this team still has such a bright future. As long as I think, you know, their core players stay healthy, then they're going to be great. And like Tyler was saying, you know, Mm -hmm. if this defense plays out as we think and Joey Bosa, Derwin James stay healthy, and, you know, we might see kind of a runaway with the defensive wars this year. I think that could absolutely uh, be possible. So want to thank Taylor Bashotti again for joining us and want to thank Tyler and Alex for uh, doing something fun today. You know, I know we've, we've talked a lot about the chargers and rightfully so this is a chargers podcast, but we wanted to mix it up, have some fun with the NFL uh, predictions. And I, I think it's just, I, I love NFL football, man. And so talking about it in this fashion is a lot of fun. Uh, Shout out to all of you guys who are tuning in. We do really appreciate all the positive feedback. Make sure to leave us a rating or a view on your audio platforms. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, and of course, comment. We always like interacting with you guys. This has been the Guilty as Charged podcast, and we'll see you next time.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.